Welcome in to the PFN Bengals podcast. It's week one. NFL is officially here. Uh, I'm Dallas Robinson, uh, as always your host, joined by Jay Morrison. How are you doing today, Jay? I'm great, Dallas. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited football's back. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see we have a third member of our panel today, uh, Brian Blewis, PFN, Brian, uh, PFN betting director. How are you doing today, Brian? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. I'm uh, doing great. We are only two days away from football. The long wait is uh, finally over, so I couldn't be happier. It's finally back. It's finally back. I think we're all excited, and I think we're all excited to make some bets this season, too. So that's how we're going to start today's show is what do we like for the Bengals this year? What do we like in terms of props, in terms of season-long awards, in terms of futures? How can you make some money betting on the Bengals this year? That's what we're going to help you do uh, today. So, Brian, I think we'll we'll start off at the top uh, in terms of Super Bowl odds. Bengals are at a plus 1,100. Um, any general thoughts? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on them as a Super Bowl team? This is, this is a championship-caliber roster, obviously, one of the best teams in the NFL, MVP candidate under center. Um, do you like them at plus 1,100, or, or do you think that's maybe – are there other teams that you might like better in that range? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean – they're rightfully in the mix at the top for Super Bowl odds. I mean, no matter how high or how low you are on their win total, you can't dispute the fact that the Bengals are going to be a Super Bowl contender, especially as long as they had Joe Burrow under center, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and the rest of their core. But for me personally, I never see much value in betting on a team to win the Super Bowl or anything below 1,500, below 20 to 1 before the start of the season because these teams get off to bad starts and these odds could change really fast. And if you look at the Bengals, their first three games to start the season are against the Browns and against the Ravens. I mean, most people listening will probably expect the Bengals win those first two games because they're still the kings of the division. But if they somehow do go one-on-one or worse, their odds may drop from plus 1,100, and then they have a really easy three-week schedule after that. I mean, they're playing the Rams, Titans, or was it Cardinals, I believe, after that? Yeah. Mm, yep. So if they start off one-on-one or worse, or maybe even go 0-2 like they did last year, they're going to have a really easy three-week stretch where their odds might go back to where they were to start the season. So if you're looking to bet on the Bengals win the Super Bowl, I'll probably advise to wait after those two weeks. But at plus 1,100, those odds seem pretty fair. I believe they're fifth in odds right now behind the Chiefs, Eagles, Bills, and 49ers. But the division is really hard this year. I mean, they're obviously the kings of the division. They're rightful favorites. But this is the hardest division of football. And if you're looking to... I mean, they're obviously the best team in the division, but you probably have the best last place team in the Steelers also, who a lot of people really like to win it this year. So I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on them compared to the rest of the division and their Super Bowl odds. I mean, they did lose a couple safeties of free agency, obviously lost P. Ryan, but this is still one of the best rosters in the league, hands down. Where were they before Burrow got hurt? Were they Have they been 1,100 pretty consistently? or? Yeah, their odds haven't changed since his yeah. injury just because – Worst case scenario, probably look at him missing a week or two. Probably isn't enough to knock down the odds. But the week one odds did fluctuate a little bit. When that injury first happened, after a day, the odds dropped to like as low as Bengals minus one just because there was not 100% certainty if he was going to play. But you've seen the odds go back to what they were when they first opened way before Burrow did suffer that calf injury. So seems like all likelihood that he is going to play. Yeah, I think it seems, I think, Jay, I mean, you would agree, right, that it seems Joe is going to play week one. I mean, Zach Taylor is being a little coy about it, but it, it seems like he's going to be out there. Um, and I think the interesting thing is the Bengals have gotten off to such slow starts the past couple of seasons that it's interesting what you talk about waiting until after the first two games and maybe you could get better odds. That is interesting, especially 
if Joe Burrow's injury maybe hinders him a little bit for those first couple of games. We don't we don't really know if it's going to. And we've talked about the chances of maybe a re-injury of, of, of aggravating that injury if that could happen. So I think maybe that idea of waiting a couple of games is is kind of interesting. Um, we look at the other odds in the NFC North. The Bengals are 150 to win the division. The Ravens are plus 235. The Browns are plus 400. The Steelers are plus 500. I, if you were going to bet one of those teams, Brian, would would you go with the Bengals? Would you try and bet one of the teams with with different odds? What do, what do you like there? If all odds are equal, I probably would have picked the Bengals win the division because they're still the best team on paper, despite this being such a stacked division. But sure. those odds for the Browns are just way too enticing to me at four to one. I mean, Deshaun Watson couldn't have been any worse last year, but if he was just playing average, probably like fifty percent of himself from twenty twenty. Those odds would be a lot shorter than four to one, but those odds are really yeah. baking in how bad he was in that second half of the season last year. But also, a really tough division. But this is the division where the long it pays it back a long shots because even though the Bengals are still a top five team in football, the di- rest of the division you can see any of these teams in the playoffs, and it wouldn't be that surprising. I mean, we all watch the Steelers. I'm not trying to overreact to the preseason, but wow, can you pick it? George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, like that offense looked really good. And it's really hard to count the Steelers out as long as they have Mike Tomlin. And we know that the changes the Ravens made this offseason with uh, the new offensive coordinator, the new pass catchers. But if I had to pick one team, be the Browns just because the value there are four to one. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's dangerous to to lean on history too much when, when you're talking about futures. Um, it's The Steelers are always going to be there, but I, I feel like Pickett is – I mean, he's going to be better this year, but I still think he's the worst quarterback in the division. It's a mm-hmm. that's that, that's how good the division is, and yeah. I, just, I I don't know. It would be tough to back Pittsburgh because of that. I think they're they've got a legit shot at making the playoffs, but I can't see them winning the division. But on the other hand, I think this division's wide open. As good as the Bengals are, it is yeah. wide open, and that that's there's just no value in picking the Bengals. Now, most of the people watching this are probably Bengal fans who are going to bet with their hearts anyhow. So maybe they're going to throw some money down on the Bengals to win the division. But yeah, if you're just going for value, I I I, I would just skip this whole division. I, I would look elsewhere to to make that bet. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, that's basically. Um, only reason I'm really taking the Bengals under on their win total. I mean, you could get as high as 11 and a half mm-hmm. at some sports books, but if they were in any other division, maybe besides the AFC East, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't even touch this win total. I think it's a fair number, but they could go 11 and six in my under still hits. And that's not saying I think the Bengals be bad this year. I just think that they have a really tough slate ahead of them with this division. But if you look at their schedule outside the division, it's really not that challenging at the same time too. And, as long as Burrow stays healthy. I mean, Jay, you've mentioned a lot in your articles that this is an injury easily re-aggravated, which is something to be concerning about for the Bengals this season. But as hard as division is, even though there's no value in taking the Bengals to win the division, they're still the rightful favorites and by by like a good margin. Yeah, they won this division at three and three in the division last year. I could easily see that happening again. So then you're talking about they got to go nine and two in their other games. That's that's a lot to ask. When you're right, it's it not is. a it's not a very hard overall uh, schedule outside the division. But you're still talking about going to Kansas City and playing Buffalo, and there's there's still some difficult games on the slate. So yeah. uh, at San Francisco is another one. So yeah, I, I'm I'm the same way. I, I think they could be better last year and have a worse record. I, I if I'm going on either side of that number i'm going under the win total mm-hmm. yeah i think that makes a lot of sense it's it's 
the AFC North is in contention for the strongest divisions in football. I think the only yeah. other contender is the AFC East, right? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if any of these teams made the playoffs. The Steelers played really well in the second half of last season on offense and defense. Browns made a lot of improvements this season. Brian, you talked about it. If if Deshaun Watson can be as good as Jacoby Brissett was last season, then I think the Browns would be pretty good. And the Ravens bring in Todd Monk, and I, their offense is probably the most excited unit I'm excited to watch this season. So it's it's an incredibly strong division, and I think you're probably right. There's not a lot of value in betting the Bengals at the, at the top there. Mm. You probably want to explore somewhere else. Um, what about in terms of MVP odds? Uh, Joe Burrow, he's number two behind, behind Patrick Mahomes um, in terms of odds. Do, is, that, is that a bet you would make this season? Uh, again, I know it's it's right at the top of the list, so maybe it's not the best value. But um, even though Burrow is dealing with this injury, he's got maybe the best set of weapons in the NFL. The offensive line has improved. It's an excellent offensive system. Is he interesting to you at all at the top of the MVP odds, or are you looking elsewhere? He's not interesting to me right now just because coming off that calf injury, being plus 750 to win the award – if he's a, if you get to a point like halfway through a season, there's no clear cut MVP, clear cut MVP winner. I mean, maybe we'll have some voter fatigue with Mahomes, but he might just be too good where that doesn't apply to him. Mm-hmm. Kind of like with LeBron for a few years in the NBA, where he wasn't winning MVP because the voters just didn't want to keep giving it to him. Maybe we'll see that with Mahomes. I don't know if it starts right now, but obviously Burrow is that next tier quarterbacks after Mahomes with Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts of the best quarterbacks in the NFL who should be up for this award. But at plus 750 right now, coming off this injury, he might be rusty to start the season. It go, it's, goes hand-in-hand hand with the Bengals' Super Bowl odds. You're better off waiting after this difficult stretch of start. I know he was a little rusty to start last season, and then he really – obviously he bounced back and had an incredible season. So you could really see something similar again this year. But I wouldn't bet on him to win MVP until he at least gets uh, plus 1,000 or longer because there might be a big overreaction after the first two weeks in the betting market. But there will be still 16 weeks ago the regular season where he's not out of it because of two bad games by any means. Unless you see somebody like Mahomes, obviously, is capable of just going off any time. Josh Allen's fully healthy this year, coming off playing through an elbow injury last year. And then look at guys that are really popular picks that people think are poised to take another leap this year. And Lamar Jackson and that Todd Monken offense could be a pop- is a popular pick right now. And Trevor Lawrence, too, in year two under Doug Peterson, now Calvin Ridley. Of the guys that are close to the top, Lawrence and Lamar are my favorite MVP picks. But right now, I don't see any value in Burrow. He's rightfully second in odds. But if you like him, you're better off waiting, like the Bengal, like taking the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. I, I hate to ask this because I don't want to put you on the spot. So if you don't know, just say you don't know. But I, I'm curious. You know, recently, what, what's what been the biggest long shot that's come out of nowhere to win NL, NFL MVP? It seems like it's always the guys that they expect to be there are the ones that are at the top of the voting at the end of the year. Yeah, with football, with NFL fans, they base everything off of what they saw last year and who could replicate that. So last year, this time, Jalen Hurts was like the really popular MVP pick of the long shots. He, Mm -hmm. I believe he opened at 40 to one last year and then dropped all the way to plus 2,500 for the season. And that guy this year is Justin Fields Mm -hmm. because there's been a lot of people thinking he can make a similar jump to Hurts. He had a pretty similar season last year to Hurts did his second season in Philadelphia. The only difference is, is that Hurts' team made the playoffs and Hurts' team going to last year a lot higher expectations than the Bears do this year with Justin Fields. So if you're looking for that quarterback made that next jump and people are looking at Fields, it'll have to take a media, like a gigantic jump for him to get mm-hmm. to where Hurts was. I think people are kind of taking for granted 
how much Hurts developed as a passer, and that's kind of more the exception, not the rule. I mean, Fields is plus 4,000 to open, and now he's down to like plus 2,000 odds. He's just barely behind Trevor Lawrence and Lamar Jackson win the award. And all the different sports books are reporting that he's the most popular MVP bet because he's the guy that had the longest, that had those long odds that yeah. people thought could really jump yeah. into that conversation. But I think it's a little premature. And I don't think the comparison, I think comparison to Hurts a little lazy. And the Bears have to be, have to at least win the division for him to be the mix for MVP because it obviously goes to the best quarterback on the best team. And that's a very tall order for the Bears. So yeah. I'm not a big fan of Justin Fields as a long shot pick. He's not a long shot anymore. The block is definitely too hot on him. Obviously, with how the offseason is trending, with getting DJ Moore, and people think he can make that big jump now with better offensive line and better playmakers around him. But I just don't see the similarities between him making a similar jump to Hurts did last year. That's a winnable division, though. I mean, it is. It's the antithesis of the AFC North. I think that one is that might be the worst division in the league. And yeah, yeah I, I like that. Pick. I think I like it's the this. most up for grabs division. Yeah, I mean, it's the most South winnable. Worst, yeah, yes. But you have two teams that either could win it in the Saints and Falcons, and it wouldn't be super surprising versus NFC North. I think the Lions are getting a little overhyped right now. I mean, yeah, they're good, but they're not. What's let's have them play against the Chiefs week one the NFL regular yeah. season to kick off the. 2023 good exactly the and we don't know how good jordan love is either i mean what if he's amazing i mean the packers yeah. the packers still have a lot of talent i think about fields it's interesting i think people are saying oh look at jalen hurts he got aj brown he became an mvp candidate we can do the same thing with fields who gets dj Moore, and he can become an mvp candidate but justin fields was one of like the worst passers of the past 20 years last season <laughs> dynamic rusher dynamic rushing ability but I think he had like a 14% sack rate, which is just ungodly in today's NFL. Like that, you got to take a massive step from the pocket for him to be an MVP candidate. So I would agree with you that that seems highly unlikely to me. Um, and the jump that Hurts made, you don't see. I mean, the no, last, we've no. seen two quarterbacks recently make similar type of jumps who were very inaccurate in the greatest pocket presence. And it was Hurts and Josh Allen. But those are not common those really don't happen it rise that much and also fields doesn't have the offensive line that hurts has the number two wide receiver yep. the tight end i mean i know they paid cole Komet, but he's nowhere close to dallas goddard i mean hurts his offense is far superior across the board and he's just a much better player right now yeah yeah totally agree speaking of offensive players Jamar chase is the favorite for offensive player of the year uh i it's interesting to me i think there aren't a lot of players. I mean, Jamar Chase has T. Higgins also in the lineup. I think it's, to me, I think it would be hard for him to get the type of numbers to win Offensive Player of the Year. Um, I think there are other receivers maybe that are kind of the GOAT. Jamar Chase is obviously the number one receiver in Cincinnati, but there are other teams where receivers can get a much higher target share than I think Jamar Chase might be able to. Is I'm guessing, based on where our discussion today, that Jamar Chase is probably not someone you would bet if he's at the top of the offensive player of the year list. Um, but what do you think about him being the favorite? Yeah, that's interesting to me too. I guess he's the favorite because obviously Justin Jefferson won last year. And this is not typically an award that goes to repeat winners. Yeah, I guess there's so much volatility with the skill position players in the NFL. Like that's a reason why not necessarily voter fatigue. But for Chase to win this award, like you said, he has T. Higgins on the opposite side of him. I mean, of the of the top receivers in the NFL, I mean, Tyreek Tyree Hill has Jalen Waddle, but Justin Jefferson, he has a lot less competition for target share than Jamar Chase does. So for Jamar Chase to win this award, 
he probably would have to break some sort of wide receiver records or come close to Jefferson last year. But that's totally in play if he stays healthy and plays and Burrow stays healthy and they play the full season. But same time, it's hard for me to see it because T. Higgins in his own right is wide receiver one good. It would be a wide receiver one for at least 20 different teams in the NFL. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, you just look at what the way Joe Burrow operates this offense, and he's mm-hmm. he's not going to be a guy even even with the great relationship he has with Jamar, he's not going to force feed Jamar. They, he, it's it's so cliche, but it is so true with him. Is take what the defense has given you, and you know a lot of times guys say, oh, "I don't care about the targets and the catches as long as we're winning." I, I really do feel that with Jamar and T that, mm-hmm. that 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 is it's not a big deal. And Jamar knows he's going to get paid huge next year. Anyhow, it's not like he has to put up huge numbers this year to kind of get in the same stratosphere as whatever Justin Jefferson's going to get. Uh, T Higgins, it doesn't look like is going to get an extension. So this is a contract year for, I think he's going to have a massive year. I think you're still going to see Jamar around that 1400 mark that he's been the last couple of years. Um, what he did last year, missing five games, well, four to injury, one to cancellation. But yeah, I just I, I I would I think he's going to have a outstanding year, but I don't know that it's going to be offensive player of the year good. Yeah, me either. I mean, if I had to pick somebody, odds aside, if you didn't, know, if he'd be the next guy up after Justin Jefferson, and I don't remember the last time someone won this back to back, but that might be factoring into why Jefferson isn't the favorite here, and maybe people just don't expect him to put up the same numbers as last year. But I see no reason why Je- Jefferson can't. But then, like we said with Chase, there's just not much value on, even though he's the favorite, but he has a really good wide receiver opposite him and a really good slot receiver. I mean, he um, Tyler Boyd gets lost in the shuffle a lot, talk about these receivers, because he's nowhere close to as good as uh, Chase or even Higgins, but he's still one of, if not the best wide receiver threes in the NFL, too. And the reason why he doesn't have to, for, he doesn't have to force a ball at Jamar Chase. That's why Burrow doesn't do that. I mean, he has those three guys to throw to, and even Joe Mixon on the backfield, and he had P. Ryan for those years before. So I think we're on the same page here that there just isn't much value in betting Chase as the favorite, and that I'm almost kind of surprised that he is the favorite. The last time a player won back-to-back Offensive Player of the Years was 2000 and 2001. It was Marshall Falk. So I wanted to guess. I was going to guess him. It's been it's been a while. I wonder if it could be one of those years where the quarterback play is so off the charts that one quarterback wins MVP and they give like the second place MVP award to Offensive Player of the Year. I've seen voters do that in the past. Like, wonder if that could be something that uh, that happens this season. Uh, I guess forget back to back. back. I was going to say forget back to back Offensive yeah. Player. Will a running back ever win Offensive Player of the Year again? <laughs> It happened in 2020. Derrick Henry did it, yeah. but yeah. it's, it, I don't know. I think it's going to have to be someone that gets 300 plus carries. It, it's going to be tough in today's NFL. If I could see one running back, I think the obvious pick is Christian McCaffrey because how involved he would be in the receiving game, too. Yeah. I mean, we know how injury prone the 49ers skill position players are. I mean, McCaffrey in his own right, too. But same with Kittle and Debo Samuel. Not as much Ayuk, but if one that misses time, that's going to open up way more opportunities in the passing game for Christian McCaffrey. And I know he wasn't used as much people expected them, them to use him last year after giving up so many picks for him. But now in year two in this offense, feel they're going to open up even more for him now, especially after what we saw in the playoffs. Yeah, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. Just got to stay healthy, right? I mean, that's that's the concern yeah. with any of these guys and especially CMC who's missed so much time. Um, let's move on to coach of the year. Zach Taylor is plus 3,000. He is tied for 17th with Kyle Shanahan, Bill Belichick, Sean McVay, and John Harbaugh. It's a pretty pretty good list to be tied with. But, Brian, we talked about it before the show. 
these odds for coach of the year are always, are always strange, right? It's best. It's usually yeah. based on who makes the biggest leap from one year to the other. So Zach Taylor to win coach of the year, he's going to have to do something probably pretty extraordinary. Yeah, from my perspective, and I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. I feel like his only path to winning coach of the year is that the Bengals have the best regular season record. It might and have to be 17 and 0. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he would have clear. to win if they go 17 and 0. But at the same yeah. time last year, we saw the Eagles have the best record. Nick Sirianni wasn't even in wasn't even the top two for voting. Yeah. But if you really do believe in this Bengals team, I mean, I'm sure there's a, you guys are a Bengals podcast. You're probably a lot of listeners that do believe they're the best team in the NFL, which is fair to say. If you do like them to be the best team in football, then he is a good bet for coach of the year because if you look at their odds for the best regular season record, it's only plus 750, which I think is the second shortest behind the Chiefs. So that's a gigantic gap between Zach Taylor plus 3,000 for coach of the year and Bengals best record of plus 750. And as um, Dow's talking about, these odds are coach of the year. If you had like fans guess what they would be, who the order would be, I want to know how many of them would think Dan Campbell would be first in odds. I mean, that I don't understand because I feel like everybody is anticipating a big jump from the Lions. So how much credit does he really get if they do make that jump and how big does it have to be for him to win coach of the year? But from my perspective, I think they're getting a little overhyped right now. So I see no value in Dan Campbell. But if you see a lot of value in the Bengals having the best record in football this year, Zach Taylor could be a good pick. From my perspective, I think the coach that looks the most enticing to me is Sean Payton. If he does turn around the Broncos after just how everything went wrong for them last year, he's only plus 900 to win the award behind Dan Campbell. He's second in odds. But if he just makes Russell Wilson look competent or even 65% of himself in Seattle, I know it's a very arbitrary percentage there. But he will get a lot of credit from the media for turning them around, obviously. And he just was working in the media last year. So he's friends with a lot of those people. I I still point. think there's a national perspective that Zach is being carried by Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And I oh, definitely I, and I think Absolutely. that plays into it. And you know, that you would have thought the year they went to the Super Bowl when nobody expected that would be the year, but it, it was such an unexpected playoff run. It was it was yeah. a, a a surprise they won the division, but um it, it just seems like his chance of winning that award have, have passed him by unless, like I said, they go 17 0 or do something remarkable uh, just based on the outside perspective that, that this is more player driven than coach. Yeah. I feel like it's always going to be that way. Right. I feel like it could be that way for Zach Taylor's entire career in Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, you talked about Sean Payton. I, I think you have to have someone who's going to a coach who like rectifies a situation. That's what yeah. voters are looking for. Yeah. Even, even someone like Arthur Smith, I think, if he can turn Atlanta's offense into like this top five unit and the Falcons go and win 11 or 12 games and win the NFC South, I think he's interesting at plus 1400, but Zach Taylor, I think someone who has like an all-star cast of not only players, but coach it, but coordinators under him as well. I, That's true. It's going to be hard for him to get the credit, man. I, I really, I really do think that it's going to be difficult for him to ever win an award like this. He And this is unfair to him. He got hired during that offseason where everyone was making fun of teams for hiring anybody who knew mm -hmm. Sean McVay. Yeah. Like, I remember when the Cardinals hired Cliff Kingsbury, and in their press release, they said he is friends with Sean McVay or something yeah. like that. Yes. So, and it's been unfair to Zach Taylor because he was a former McVay assistant that he hasn't really been able to shed that label despite taking to the Bengals to consecutive AFC title appearances and to a Super Bowl. And like Jay said, the year they made it a Super Bowl, their expectations were incredibly low despite having Burrow, despite drafting Jamar Chase. I have a confession to make here. The worst bet I've ever made 
was the Bengals had the worst record in regular season that year. And they were the Super Bowl <laughs> because I always look for value at futures. I never want to take a favorite because if I have to wait at least four months for a bet, I like to have some juicy odds. And I believe they're pretty juicy at that time. They might have been like fifth in odds or something like that. From my perspective, I was like, their offensive line is really bad. Joe Burrow's coming off ACL injury. He might be a little sluggish to start. We don't know anything about this defense. And then they make it to the Super Bowl, and I look like an idiot. <laughs> At least you admitted it. I think your I think your concerns yeah. were, were valid, though. They didn't have a good offensive line that year. <laughs> that's, no. not, that's not a lie. <laughs> What's crazy is how they were at least a thousand. They're at least ten to one to win their division. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. I mean, the Jaguars were close at plus 800, plus 900 last year when their division, but they were way longer before. Yeah. There wasn't that momentum for the Bengals. I mean, there's always some sharps and professional betters that get ahead of a team before everybody else, but the Bengals were on nobody's radar that year. Yeah, totally, totally. And agree. he gets no credit for Zach Taylor. No, and he, no, and he no. never. I don't think he ever will. No, I don't think he will either. All right, uh, Brian, we're going to wrap up with a game that we're going to bring over from Jay's former podcast here, that podcast growling. Uh, Jay, you want to you want to set us up with this game we're going to do every week? Yeah, we're going to we're going to do uh, some fictional betting uh, each week. We get 20 units to play with. You make two bets. One has to be related to the upcoming Bengals game that week. The other one can be on anything. College, uh, NFL totals, uh, player props. You can do parlays if you want. I, I'm I was big. I got behind early last year. I started doing parlays, trying to catch up. Um, Twenty unit parlay. No, no, because then you, you guys are home kids. It'd have to be nineteen and one because you got to make the yeah. two bets. But yeah. uh, so, so that's what we're gonna do. Um, I, I guess we'll we'll let our guests kick off first. Brian, what do you want to go with with your twenty units this week? Well, I'm afraid this might uh, have me kicked off the Bengals podcast for the rest of the season. But I'm gonna start out by uh, taking the Browns week one on the spread plus two and a half. I don't know the exact stat is at the moment, but I know it's favorable for home dogs in week one against division rivals. And as I said earlier, I'm really high on this Browns team and not as high compared to consensus on this Bengals team. So if I have those two teams play each other week one, with Burrow coming off his calf injury, not playing the preseason, and we saw he was rusty last year, why wouldn't I take the Browns and the points? I mean, a lot of people like to fixate on the key numbers of getting to three, getting to seven, but... Two and a half is pretty key number right now with how much more teams try to go for two-point conversions and everything in today's NFL. So I still like those odds there, and I think this will be a really close game. And I think these teams are more evenly matched than the odds might indicate. And, Jay, I don't remember the exact stat, but I think the Bengals have struggled a little bit at Cleveland recently, right? Yeah, five in a row they've lost up there. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to use historical stats too much here. But with in, with division teams, they play each other twice a year. It's a bigger sample size than, say, if you were saying the Bengals haven't won at Minnesota how many years. Like, that would be meaningless to me. But So I have the Browns plus two and a half. I'll use – so we have 20 units to use for the week. Yes. Yes. So I'll use 10 of them on that. Okay. And then I'll split my remaining 10 units on one, the same betting market, actually. So for the lowest scoring team of the week – the obvious pick is going to be the Cardinals. But I'm looking at two other teams where I like to challenge them at better odds. We'll start with the Rams at plus 1,600. We all know Cooper Cup is going to play. And if he isn't going to play for the Rams, who's going to score? And who's going to move the ball at Seattle? I mean, it's just going to be the Cam Akers show. How staff are going to look behind this offensive line of just basically a Mad Libs of NFL names. You probably wouldn't be able to recognize a lot of these guys. <laughs> So I like them at plus 1,600 for my for half my re- remaining units. 
And then the other one, I might be overreacting a little too much of the preseason, but did any offense look worse than the Carolina Panthers? <laughs> no, really no. terrible offensive line. Bryce Young just got destroyed. Every single he got time destroyed. He <laughs> that offensive line couldn't protect him. And we know that Frank Wright coach teams have really struggled to start the season. I mean, dating back to his first season in Indianapolis, I'm not sure he's won a week one opener. I could be wrong, but I know they always start off really slow. And this team has to learn a new offense. They have a bad offensive line. They have a rookie quarterback. Miles Sanders, I'm pretty sure, has been out most of the preseason with an injury. Adam Thielen's the number one receiver. They already lost DJ Chark, right? And yep. they're not – they're they very bad top-of-level skill position players, and their depth is even worse. So I think this off – I mean, they have a really good defense, but this offense is going to be one of the worst in the league, I think. They're going against a Falcons team, too, that really loves to control the tempo and run the ball and bleed the clock. I think they're one of the slowest teams in football last year. They don't really run many plays, and they're going to just run it down their throats with Bijan Robinson now in the mix with Tyler Algier and this Arthur Smith offense. So I'm going to split my 10 units and put five on the Panthers at plus 900 and then five on the Rams at plus 1,600, either one to be the lowest scoring team this week. It's funny you mentioned the uh, the home dogs in division because I it seems like in the Battle of Ohio, this happens a lot. So I looked it up. Um Home dogs of seven points or fewer are 16 and 20 outright in this series, in this Bengals Brown series. They're 19, 12, and one against the spread. So you uh that sounds like a, a good pick on your end. I'm going the complete opposite way, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting 15 units on the Bengals minus two and a half. I think Joe Burrow's gonna he he plays at his best when he's got a chip on his shoulder. Everybody doubting him with the with the um calf injury uh, a lot of talk about the 0-2 last year they're going to want to come out of the gate fast I just um, I, I think we're going to see the, the Bengals uh, win this game and, and do it by at least a field goal um, for, for my other bet I'm going under in the Titans and Saints game the Saints were uh, they, they went under in seven of their last eight games last year the Titans went under in all four of their their games last year, their, their four final games last year. Uh, both of those were the, the top marks in the league. So now those two teams face off. Number's 41. It's not a crazy low number. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 15 units on the Bengals minus two and a half and five units on Titan Saints under 41. I like that Titan Saints. I mean, Titans have the worst offensive line in the league. Mm. Saints are trying to integrate a new quarterback. Yeah, I, I like that. I think that'll be a low-scoring game too. Yeah, I like that too. All right. Uh, so for my Bengals bet, I'm doing a very weird, very strange play. I'm doing last scoring play is a field goal at plus 155. I'm going to put 10 units on that. I think this Bengals-Browns game will be very close, and I just see Evan McPherson trotting out for a game-winning field goal as time expires. That's that's what I'm envisioning, and I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. Uh, for my other bet, I, I like Brian. I don't want to upset any Bengals fans here, but I'm going to take the Steelers' money line against the 49ers at plus 120. <laughs> I, I think the Steelers played really well on both sides of the ball to finish last season. Uh, we talked about it. I think they were really impressive in the preseason. Brock Purdy for the 49ers is coming off that UCL injury. He's been okay during the preseason. He's thrown throughout the summer. But I'm just a little wary of, of how they're going to get going to start the season. They've got a new offensive line starter up front. There's some Nick Bosa might not be available, depending on if he gets a contract extension this week. I just really like what the Steelers are doing, and I, and I like them at home. I like Mike Tomlin. Uh, I like them. I like the money line. So that's what I'm going to go with this week. Dallas, does it scare you in our week one picks column at pfmbetting.com that four of us are on the Steelers this week? 
<laughs> it, it it makes me feel great, honestly, because I, I I know the talent that we have at PFN, and I and I agree with everyone who's making those decisions. So no, it makes me feel great. It makes me feel very warm inside. I haven't filled my picks out yet, but I'm going Steelers in that game as well. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, Steelers are one of my favorite bets for the week. Also, I already yeah. locked them in at plus two and a half. We don't even know if Nick Bosa is playing. Yeah, I saw something that George Kittle might not even play. So I was trying to get ahead of potential line movement there because I like to get above two. It was like I said earlier, yeah. with two-point conversions. And we all know Mike Tomlin is a home underdog. And just I think this, I'm pretty high on the Steelers this year. I think I still think they're the worst team in the division, but any other division, I don't think they would come in last place. And not as high on this 49ers team as everybody else. So I'm with you on that pick too. Awesome. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, yeah. Let people know where they can find you on Twitter or X and about your podcast that you're doing at PFN and all the all the great work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, PFNbetting.com, PFN Betting on Twitter, and the PFN Betting Podcast, which we record three times a week for Monday Night Football, for Thursday Night Football, and for the full Sunday slate. Awesome. Make sure to check out all Brian's stuff. We'll probably have you on again this season. This was a great discussion. Yeah, for sure. Let's all go win some money, right? Let's all go win some money this year. So thank you. <laughs> yep, again. absolutely. That's uh, the goal. But uh, thank you guys for having me, and I'm looking forward to chatting to you guys more this season. Definitely. Right, Thanks, Brian. Take care. We uh, Football's back. Football is officially here. We've got a game this week that actually means something. Uh, Bengals-Browns. We obviously talked about it a lot with Brian, but um, just initial, so- initial thoughts on the game. I think – you know, Joe Burrow, it look, looks like he will play. I don't know if you have any more updates on that, but I think Zach Taylor hasn't come out and said he's going to play, but it looks like he will play. Um, where, where do things stand with Burrow? And just what are, what are your opening thoughts on this week, Jay? Yeah, I'd be stunned if he doesn't play. I, I mean, they're, they're not going to say it. They're not going to come right out. They want to keep the Browns guessing, but the, the Browns are probably in the same camp I am that, that they expect him to play. The fact that he came back to practice last week um, – It'll be interesting to see Wednesday if they list him as full or limited. My guess is he's going to be listed as full, um, and it's full speed ahead for for him starting this game. And I just you just have to like the Bengals' chances. I know they've lost five in a row up there, but let's not forget one of those was a season finale when, yep. when Burrow did not play, uh, and then one of those was in the disastrous 2019 year, um, and then one was in the Marvin Rain um, in 2018. So. Yeah. Uh, Burrow actually, it was his first road start of his career, week two, um, up, up there, his rookie year, and they played a Thursday night game, and he had great numbers. He's actually, yeah. he's averaged 274 yards per game in Cleveland, and he's thrown five touchdowns and one interception. So their issues up there have not been Burrow related. They've been stopping the run related, and I think yeah. this team is going to be a lot. This defensive line uh, is just loaded with talent, and, and it's not just the guys in the middle. Sam Hubbard is one of the best run defenders in the league. Miles yeah. um, Murphy hasn't really flashed as a pass rusher, but he, he he's, he's supposed to be solid against the run, and I'm not expecting to see Joseph Osai this week, so Murphy's going to be active. He's going to be rotating in there, um, and Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, both those guys got paid this year for good reason. I, I just – and I like what I've seen from Nick Scott as a safety coming down in the box yeah. and it really oh, yeah. thumping. I just I don't know that they're going to shut down. Nobody shuts down Nick Chubb, but I, I think this defense is is going to have something for the Browns and, and Burrow and the offense are going to be able to score enough points to win the game. Yeah, I would agree. And I think Cleveland probably the second best offensive line in the NFL behind Philadelphia. I mean, it's it's going to be a real challenge. They've got all pro level talent in almost every position. So 
I think that'll be a real challenge. I think for me, the biggest questions are probably when the Bengals are on offense, how do they contain Miles Garrett? It's, you know, the, the Browns have really rebuilt their defensive line this year. They added Zadarius Smith via trade with the Vikings. They signed uh, Ogbo Okronkwo. They signed Delvin Tomlinson and Shelby Harris, a defensive tackle. I don't think this Browns defensive line is one that you can just, obviously Miles Garrett is the, is the best player, but if you just focus on all your attention on him, you're probably going to be hurt elsewhere. So I'm, I'm curious to see, can Jonah Williams at right tackle handle his defender one-on-one so the Bengals can give the help that's needed to Orlando Brown on the left-hand side? Can they chip with a tight end? Can they chip with a running back? I'm really curious to see how they handle that because Miles Garrett, I think, could be on, could be on pace for his best season this year now that he actually has some help. So I think um, that's one of my major questions is, is Bengals offensive line versus that kind of revamped Cleveland front and how they handle that. Yeah, I mean, I think Miles Garrett almost single-handedly is responsible for the way Bengals fans view Jonah Williams because he yes. has everybody struggles against him, but Jonah has really struggled against him. And and Jonah has – he's been solid in uh, the last couple seasons, and it's just been those those Browns games have not looked good. And and Miles will line up on both sides. It'll be interesting to see how many times they, they lean on that and put him back over on Jonah's side as opposed to Orlando Brown's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right that, that this is – they have beefed up that D line, but they, you know, last year they had Clowney, and, and so you still had to worry about both both edges coming off in that game. It's nothing new, but this this O line is is going to be. It's supposed to be. I think it will be as as good as they've had in nearly a decade. Um, and, and Burrow's so good at getting the ball out fast and and finding the the, the quick read. Um, I don't think we're going to see him try to extend plays as much as sometimes he likes to with that calf. I'm sure there's going to be a little doubt on what's going to happen when he takes off out of the pocket or even moves the pocket. So I I think you're going to see a a lot of him taking the underneath stuff and and, and maybe a big Joe Mixon game as well, too, just trying to make it an AFC North game. It is an AFC North game, but make it a prototypical AFC North game where it's, it's about the running game and the guys in the middle. Um, so I, I do, it's, it, if they fall behind, it could be trouble because that, that pass rush is going to be something, but I, I think this is going to be close throughout. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Garrett was double teamed at the first or second highest rate in the league last year. So obviously not a surprise that teams have to use multiple blockers to stop him. I think, the one injury question that I'm concerned about, uh, not it's a concern from the Browns' perspective, is that Denzel Ward might not play. He's got a yeah. concussion. Um, if he's out, you know, the Browns don't have a lot of cornerback depth. I think Greg Newsom would probably have to move from the slot to the outside um, if Denzel Ward is not able to play. And then I guess the Browns would plug in Mike Ford or maybe a fifth-round rookie like Cameron Mitchell to help, to help cover. Maybe they could play some three safety sets, some big nickel sets to help cover if Denzel Ward doesn't play, but he's their best cornerback by far, I would say. And man, it, it could really be a field day for T Higgins and Jamar Chase. If, if he's not out there, I'm just not sure that Cleveland has the depth to overcome his loss. Yeah. I mean, Bengals fans will remember that, that hundred yard, or I think it was technically 99 pick six that he had uh, where Jamar Chase has taken the blame for that off of Joe Burrow. He mm-hmm. said he ran a ter- terrible route, but that is if I know a lot of Bengals fans are going to be waiting for the injury report on Wednesday to see what Burrow's listed at, but that's going to be a really important one to see how they list Denzel Ward because concussions are just so, I don't know. They're, they're just, they're so hard to predict. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, once, if he returns to practice in any fashion Wednesday, you would have to feel good uh, about him 
playing on Sunday. But if, if he can't go Wednesday and he can't go Thursday, then it, it, it won't look like he will. And that will be a big advantage for the for the Bengals in, in this passing game, because, um, like I said, it's it's not just the fact of playing in Cleveland. It's just that yeah. matchup. And Denzel Ward against these Bengals receivers is a big reason why the Browns have gotten the better of this team uh, the last few years. So be a huge loss if he can't go. Yeah, I depending on if Ward plays, I I think this game will be close. Um, did you give your score prediction yet? I know you picked the Bengals. I don't know if you gave an actual score prediction. No, I, I thought we'd uh, do that at the very end. Okay, okay, sounds good. Um, I'll save my prediction then. The one the one other thing I want to talk about before the season gets going is the Joe Burrow contract. That I don't know about you, Jay, but I'm surprised it's not done yet. I, I thought this would be done well in advance of Week One especially after Justin Herbert signed his big deal with the Chargers. I thought that would give the Bengals a template for what they want to do with Joe Burrow. Um, it, it's very interesting that there's no deal yet. And who knows, by the time this podcast gets posted, there could be a deal. There could be a deal today, and it, it, this could be all obsolete. Um, that was interesting. Andrew Brandt from Sports Illustrated, he used to work for the Packers in, in the front office, and he's worked in the NFL. This is just his speculation, but he wrote something I thought was interesting that maybe it's Joe Burrow's side who's delaying these negotiations that he doesn't want these long seven or 10 year deals that other quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes have taken that maybe he wants to wait until he gets closer to free agency like Dak Prescott did in Dallas and you know really have the leverage and really put the pressure on the Bengals to give him a huge contract and and to give him a shorter contract so that he can continue to take multiple bites at the apple right in free agency he can get back when he's 30 and 34 and, and make huge money every time he reaches the open market. Um, I thought that was an interesting perspective. No idea if that's what's actually going on or not, or if that's just pure speculation. But what are your thoughts on Burrow? I, I th- are you surprised the deal is not done yet? Do you think it'll get done before week one? Where Where do you think things stand? Yeah, I am surprised. I mean, this was the, the number one thing they had to get done this offseason. And now, I mean, it's the whole better late than never thing. If it does happen before the week one, then everybody forgets about how long it took. The, the, the bottom line is just that it got done, but it's, it's, I mean, I know fans have been antsy for weeks. Like that's everywhere I go. I that's, that's the number one question people want to know. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm getting less and less confident by the day. I still am leaning on the side that it does get done. What you mentioned, uh, you know, from Andrew is, it's interesting because it, not at the at, at the pre-camp luncheon this year. It was the pre-camp luncheon last year mm. where we were already talking about the Burrow contract. And Mike Brown brought up, without being asked about this specifically, the Patrick Mahomes 10-year deal. And, and I do think that that's what the Bengals have in mind is something longer. And it would make sense that, that Burrow would not want anything that long. Um, and the other thing I still – I don't know that it's a case now. It, it, it feels like maybe the, the T Higgins thing has that, that uh, the chances of that have gone. I wouldn't completely rule them out, but it, how much of that was, you know, Joe said he wanted to structure the contract in a way that would allow them to keep guys together. So it would make sense that, you know, he's not going to sign until he knows for sure they have T in the fold, because if he's making concessions that allow yeah. them to keep T and they don't end up keeping T then, then he's not going to be happy. So maybe part of it was them waiting that out to see what was going to happen with T. But we've seen the Bengals take these down to the wire in the past. And it's, you know, they are a hard team to negotiate with. You ask any agent out there that the, the one team that is the most difficult to, to hammer out a contract deal with, and they, they always point to the Bengals. They're tough negotiators. They're set in their ways. They have ways that they, 
they'd like to do things. And as much as the franchise has changed over the last few years, that part of it really hasn't so much. Right. So I don't, I don't know where I would put the percentage, maybe 66%. Yes, it gets done before the season starts and 33% no. But if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have been in the 95 to five range. Yeah, it's like you said, this this should have been it seemed like this should have been agenda item number one, but they've taken care of a lot of other like business items this year in terms of getting Joe Mixon to take a pay cut, giving Trey Henderson an extension, extension giving Logan Wilson an extension. I, I thought Burrow would come before all of those things, and maybe they're just kind of approaching the, the items that are easiest on their list first, and Joe Burrow is obviously the most complicated. Um Yeah, I, I don't see Joe Burrow taking a Patrick Mahomes-like contract, a 10-year deal that it's great for the Chiefs, right? The cash flow, yeah. the cash flow is, is not there like it is for other quarterbacks. It's it's all future payments that the Chiefs don't have to put into escrow, and it's it's not fully guaranteed money that they have to worry about. So, you know, the Chiefs are not one of the highest cash spending teams in the NFL year over year, just like the Bengals are not. So, it it is a similar situation in terms of those financials. I'm, I'm curious to see if the Bengals would be open to something like the Ravens did with with uh, Lamar Jackson or the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts with these double and triple option bonus structures that seems so far out of line for something the Bengals would want to do. It just, they're a very traditional organization. They want a a big signing bonus and, you know, a very, very traditional approach to their contracts, but, but they are willing to play guys. I mean, they made Carson Palmer a very, very rich man back in the day. They made AJ green, the highest paid wide receiver when he got his extension. They're not afraid to pay guys. It just has to be on their terms. Right. Yeah, they went all in, not all in, but they went in heavy on Andy Dalton before really they had to, they had time to wait on that. And they, they got him signed. And I think he was maybe the fifth highest paid at the time that they, they did that deal. And so then it ended up kind of, you know, I think they would have liked to have maybe moved on from him um, at at some point and not had that there, but yeah, they've never been shy about paying quarterbacks. And that that just makes it all the more curious. Why are they messing around with this? Get it done. Make Joe Burrow happy. That's that's kind of been the the number one thing for the coaching <laughs> staff. Right? I mean, keep that guy happy and everything else will fall in line. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I think your point about T. Higgins is really interesting. Is is Joe waiting for T. Higgins to get a deal done? And I don't know. It's it's we've talked about it all offseason. How can they keep Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins together? And I think it's a real it's a real philosophical question, I think, for the Bengals. Is is this how you want to build your team? Obviously, Joe Burrow is going to be here. I think obviously Jamar Chase will be here. But do you want to commit to a second receiver or do you want to take that money, spread it around on defense on the offensive line and say, you know, we'll go draft a rookie receiver in the first or second round and Joe Burrow can elevate him to become what T, what we would have paid T Higgins to do. Right. So I think it's a philosophical question on how you want to build this team. And I, one that we'll probably find an answer maybe in these next couple of weeks, depending on who gets an extension and who doesn't. Maybe in the um, next couple of days, maybe in the next couple hours, maybe in the next couple of minutes. We don't, we don't know anything could have got tweet deck open. It could, anything could happen. Um, let's finish up. Let's, let's talk about our predictions for this Sunday's game. Um, finally, football is back. Uh, you'll be at the game. I will be at my home base with eight screens up and all the games on. So it will be a little different experience for, for us both. Um, Jay, we talked about your prediction a little bit, but what, what have you got for this Sunday's game? Yeah, I'm going Bengals 21, Browns 17. I, I think it stays close. Um, I, I don't think the Browns are going to score a lot of points on this offense. I don't think the Bengals are going to score on this 
Bengals defense. I don't think the, the Bengals are sc- going to score a whole lot of points. I think there's still going to be some rust, some timing may- issues maybe with Joe Burrow coming back and only having a few practices. Um, I, I don't think you're going to see the disaster that last year's week one game was. It was just a totally different situation with him having to rebuild his strength, his conditioning and all that. He's he's the, the calf injury has kept him off the field, but there's not a lot that it, it's held him back other than just time on task with those receivers. And he's he's got a great relationship with Jamar Chase. He's worked with Tyler Boyd all these years. He's worked with Higgins for three years. So uh, I I just that and like I said, they they are sick of hearing about the slow start last year. Burrow really could be 0-3 in openers if, if it wasn't for a Dalvin Cook fumble at the end of that Vikings game in 2021. They, they probably should be 0-3 in openers. And I just think that, uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, a Joe, a Joe Burrow with a chip on his shoulder is the best Joe Burrow, and I think there is one there. I, I agree with you. I think it'll be a Bengals victory, but I think it'll be a close game as well. Um, I made the play that, the last scoring play will be a field goal in this game, so I'm going to stick with that. So I'm going to go Bengals 27, Browns 24. A little higher scoring than I think you've you've got it, but I have a just I think the Browns defense will be better this year, but I have a little bit of concerns how they play in Week One, just factoring in the Denzel Ward potential absence, mm-hmm. and it's Jim Schwartz's first year as coordinator, right? It's I think they'll be better under him than they were under Joe Woods last year, and they've obviously added a lot of great players at, at all along their defense, but. I think week one, things could be just a little murky. Maybe a, that first game in the new system, figuring things out. I think it, they could give us some points to the Bengals. Um, do you think Nick Chubb will have a good game? I, I do. I think it's hard to contain him. I, I have a lot of faith in the Browns offensive line, but I am I have a lot of more faith in how Lou Anarumo will design things against Deshaun Watson. I think he probably saw enough on film in those uh, six or seven games that Deshaun Watson played last year to figure out how to kind of negate what he can do and always have a lot of faith in big Lou. That's my strategy when betting on the Bengals and thinking about the Bengals. So I think the Bengals will get the week, the year started off right with a, with a close victory. Um, so I'll, I'll take the Bengals to, to cover that 2.5 spread. If it's Evan McPherson trotting out there for the final kick, you're going to feel good. What if it's Dustin Hopkins? Are you just going to count count your bet as a loss? Yeah. I don't know. I think we'll just, we'll, we'll throw it away at that point. I don't know. I, I, if Dustin Hopkins comes out a week after being a, acquired from the Chargers to make a game-winning field goal, I might actually feel pretty good about the Bengals' chances. I don't know if I <laughs> have a lot of confidence in Dustin Hopkins at that point. So we'll see. I think we're all we're both excited. Football's back. You know, yes. it's 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 been a long summer of previewing and analyzing, and finally get to see some real action. So we're excited. Jay will be at the game. Uh, it, excited that the year is here and the, the process has started again. So everyone, thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to Brian Blewis for, for coming yes. on and talking betting. That was a lot of fun. We'll, we'll probably do that again at some point this year. Um, if you're listening on podcast platform, please like and review and subscribe and all that good stuff. If you're listening on or watching on YouTube, please subscribe, please like. Uh, we will be back next week. Jay and I will be to recap the, the Browns game and look ahead to week two. Uh, anything else, Jay, as we sign off for today? No, I, I just want to say I think a lot of people that are watching this are, are when they go to PFN, they're they're dialed in on the Bengals content. But I know a lot of you play fantasy. I know a lot of you bet, and 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 there's so much more stuff on the PFN site. And, and what yep. you heard from Brian today, there's great stuff. So uh, get in there and click around and check out all the other things that we have to offer. Absolutely, great point. There's tons of tons of great content on fantasy and betting and NFL mm-hmm. in general. College Football Network is out there if you want draft previews on guys that played this last weekend. 
Jay, I know you're doing a vampire fantasy league this year. It's yeah. a it's a new kind of league, so go check that out. Jay's doing a diary all season of how he does that. I've got my fantasy drafts tonight and tomorrow, so it's that time of year. We're all we're all getting going. So thanks again for joining us. We'll be back next week on the BFN Bengals podcast. <laughs>